Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, and it's uh, chapter 14, and it's verses 5 through 12. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Well, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Well, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me, I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today is the second Sunday in Lent. The Lent is the 40-day journey to Easter, and it enables us space for self-examination and reflection. Often we focus Lent around what we give up or what we take on. But really, Lent isn't so much about what we do or don't do, but about our relationship with God. That's the important part. It's time to be honest and to honestly answer the question, have I really been transformed by the miracle of Easter? Lent is a time to re-examine our response to Jesus' invitation, come and follow me. Now this morning we begin our Lenten series, Renegade Gospel, based off the book written by Mike Slaughter. This book is perfect for Lent because it challenges us to rethink what it really means to follow Jesus. And it reminds us that the journey with Jesus leads to a cross. Following Jesus isn't simply about professing our belief in Jesus, saying, I love you, Jesus. I want you to be a part of my life. And then moving on as if nothing happened. Following Jesus is instead a journey. It means taking seriously when Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Professing our faith is simply the beginning of our journey with God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Enable us to be receptive to your message this morning and challenge us to live more fully for you than we ever have before. Through the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. What is the first image you remember having of Jesus? That was one of the questions that was asked in our Bible study this past week. And 
the one I explicitly remember is from a Sunday school room in East Conneaut United Methodist Church. And Jesus had white skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, and was clean shaven. And I very clearly remember thinking, oh, Jesus looks just like me and my dad. And I also remember him being surrounded by children and having a gentle, loving look in his eyes and being comforted by that. Well, right from the beginning of Mike Slaughter's book, he acknowledges that most of us have taken the Jesus of history and recreated him in our own cultural and political and ideological and theological and even denominational bubble. And it's because we see the world, even matters of faith, through the lens of our family of origin and our own cultural experiences. We project onto Jesus our own personal identities. And so we end up with someone very different than the Jesus of history. We end up with a Jesus that not only looks like us physically, but we end up with a benign Savior who only taught us nice ways to live, who lives eternally to serve our own personal needs and, and then takes us up to heaven when we die. We have unintentionally deluded Jesus and and we've dumbed down what it means to be his disciple. And we've turned faith into a, an easy beliefism. Just believe and you'll be fine. Now, Mike Slaughter criticizes most churches' portrayal of Jesus as this good-natured Mr. Rogers type. He actually says that in the first chapter of the book, and I couldn't help but laugh. But he, he says this, we've deluded Jesus to this good-natured Mr. Rogers type who beckons the tired and the weary to his neighborhood for a little R&R and entertainment. Now, I disagree that Mr. Rogers was all about entertainment and comfort, having just done a whole series on the gospel according to Mr. Rogers, but I understand what Mike Slaughter is getting at here. We focus so much on the loving and the comforting and the caring Jesus that we forget that not only did Jesus come to comfort the afflicted, but Jesus also came to afflict the comfortable. Jesus is a both and, and we forget that latter part very often. The renegade gospel that was espoused by Jesus was seen as heretical, by the religiously correct of the time, and also as a subversive movement by the Roman political forces that, were, that occupied Palestine at that time in history. Jesus himself was a member of a marginalized and persecuted minority. And I remember clearly when I realized that Jesus did not, in fact, look like me or my father, Jesus looked more like a dark-skinned Russ who is of Indian descent than anyone I could. <laughs> no, no, more like you than my, like, than me, but I'm not calling you Jesus, honey. <laughs> oh, goodness, I did not think that through. <laughs> 
But Jesus came to initiate this, this radical movement, that, this movement of God that would bring good news to the poor and bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim the release of the captives. Now that is good news and it's comforting and good, but it's also very radical and challenging. Christianity was outlawed for the first three centuries of the church. We did not come from easy roots. It's unfair to focus on this comforting and loving and heartwarming Jesus without also recognizing that the Jesus that's found in our Gospels also calls us to this difficult journey of transformation. In the book, Mike Slaughter shares his experience of church people, of Christians growing up when he grew up and how he had this visit to his great uncle Gilbert in Little Rock, Arkansas in the 60s and how that showed him how Jesus isn't just someone who says nice things and makes us feel good in our hearts, but Jesus can actually change the way that we live out our daily lives. Now, I have to say that my life experience has been similar to Mike Slaughter's. While my churches growing up were filled with absolutely wonderful people, I really wonder how much their relationship with Jesus transformed their day-to-day lives. Maybe it had, and my young eyes simply didn't comprehend it, but to me, there was really no difference from the people that I saw on Sunday morning and the people I saw everywhere else. When I began dating Russ, however, that's when I was given examples of how being a Jesus follower can change the way we really do live our daily lives. In particular, his grandparents, Carlos and Saroj. Carlos grew up in a small town in Louisiana, and Saroj grew up in India. They met in college, and they both felt called to spend their lives in India helping the Indian people. In essence, they brought the concept and the training of pastoral care to India and the continent of Asia. It's no big deal. Not a lot of, it's, it's not impressive at all. But Russ lived in India when he was young, and he shared with me that he would visit their home as a kid, and there were constantly people of every color and size and look imaginable, coming in and out of the doorways, sitting at the table for meals. Saroj and Carlos counseled and treated millionaires and the Dalit, the untouchables alike. People with Down syndrome, schizophrenics, and college professors were cared for at their table. Hindus, Christians, Muslims, Zoroastrian sages, gay and straight, everyone had a spot at mama's and papa's table. And they had a mama and a papa who loved them. Now in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and even today, in the Indian culture that was rooted in this formal social hierarchy of the caste system, something like that, respecting and caring for all of these different individuals was blatantly countercultural. But they did it, showing love to all of their patients and their students and their employees because they firmly believed that each and every individual 
are children of God, and they were made in God's image. They got into trouble, Carlos and Saroj did. They were challenged. They were even persecuted against, but they continued on with their mission because they were transformed by the radical story of Jesus. Mike Slaughter writes that Jesus didn't guarantee his followers a trouble-free life. He taught hard truths. He made no promises about easy living. In chapter 9 of Luke, we hear again, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Some were unwilling to pay the price. And I have to admit that until now, I haven't really focused on this scripture too much because it's just not a comfortable scripture to focus on. In the Gospel of Mark, we read about a young rich man who was eager to experience what Jesus was offering. When the young man asked Jesus what he must do to obtain eternal life, Jesus gave an unexpected response. Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The young man walked away. In the Gospel of John, we read that many of Jesus' disciples, after listening to Jesus' hard teachings, they turned back and they no longer followed Jesus. Because claiming the rebel Jesus requires us to radically reprioritize all that we deem valuable in our lives. Jesus knew what he was asking was hard. And so he insisted that grace was an integral part of the process. The disciple Peter is a perfect example of this. After he denied Jesus, after Peter denied Jesus three times on the night before Jesus gave his life on the cross, Jesus completely forgave Peter. He restored him and then he used him as a key builder in his church. Despite never lowering the standard, grace triumphs. And Jesus taught that mercy and grace and relationships are to be over rigidity and judgment. Now today's scripture that Chuck read for us, in particular verse 6, where it says, where Jesus says, I and the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, of course, most of the time that this is quoted by Christians, it's used to proclaim this fence or this border, defining who is in and who is out. But Mike Slaughter gives us a different interpretation. He says that Jesus was sharing, in effect, you will never know the love of God as a parent except through me. Through Jesus, God no longer appears as the holy, untouchable judge, but instead as the ultimate parent who loves us powerfully and intimately. Jesus, as the Son of God, is the visible picture of God, 
who otherwise would be invisible. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Being God's being and God's living in this world. Jesus took religion out of the synagogue and the temple and made it accessible to all. He taught not from the confines of a religious building but into the religious elite, but Jesus taught from hillsides and homes and boats to anyone who would come to listen to him. In saying, I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus was boldly proclaiming that a building wasn't required, that all of the ornamentation of religion wasn't required, but in fact, all that is required to know God is to know Jesus. He was saying, you will fully comprehend God when you understand me and you follow my example with your life. Then in verse 12 of today's scripture, Jesus assures his disciples that whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Jesus is calling us not to be afraid, but to step out and to take risks and living like Jesus in our daily lives. So often we try to make Jesus look like us and what we want and what we think we need. But we're too smart to to know that that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to show us how to look like God. Show us how to look like God. I am the way and the truth and the life, he said. I am the way to truly live, Jesus is saying. Follow me and see what God can do in and through you. This is what Jesus is calling us to do each and every day of our lives. The question is, are you up to the challenge? Let's pray. Almighty God, we hear that you are saying, if we know you, then we will know your Father also. That if we do what you do, that we will be doing what God has called us to do. That we will know God through having seen you. But Lord, still like Philip, we say, show us the Father we don't understand. God, we, Jesus, we just want to see God because we doubt or we don't comprehend. But Lord, let us understand that you, when we see you, when we see how to live out your life that you have shown us, we can see God. We can encounter God and we can be transformed by God. God, we know it won't be easy but it's what you've called us to do so that this world might be transformed, so that this world might know of your love, your grace, your compassion, and your peace with justice. God, help us to be confident in participating in what you have called us to do in this time and in this place. Amen.